This is episode number 409 with Head of Data Science and Artificial Intelligence at the Australian Computer Society, Steve Norrie. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Day Science Podcast, everybody. Super excited to have you back here on the show. Today, we've got a very inspiring guest calling in from Sydney, Australia, uh, Steve Norrie. So Steve is the head of uh, data science and AI for ACS or the Australian Computer Society. Uh, this is an organization that oversees a lot of things uh, that are to do with technology uh, in Australia. And uh, Steve has a lot of experience in this space and came today to share his insights and uh, some inspiring thoughts. So this podcast is uh, going to be extremely valuable to you if you're just starting out into data science or if you're an intermediate practitioner in the space uh, looking to uh, grow your expertise further. Um, and here are some topics that we are going to be discussing today. So we covered off three main parts in this podcast. Uh, the first part is about uh, inspiring applications of artificial intelligence, what they're doing at uh, ACS and how they're supporting uh, communities, how you can in get involved with initiatives like this, whether you're in Australia or outside of Australia, because these initiatives exist in other countries as well. And also the ACS runs some initiatives that are uh, global. For instance, uh, they're doing hackathons, uh, virtual hackathons, which you can participate in. Uh, you'll learn about AI startups, uh, hackathons, what it's like to be running a virtual hackathon and how they happen. So if you ever wanted to find out about hackathons, this is a great place to learn. Uh, Steve himself has participated in over 10 hackathons and he's run several of them. So he's very knowledgeable in this space. Uh, then in part two of the podcast, we're going to talk about some... Um, contemporary AI questions. For instance, what's the best place to get started in artificial intelligence? You'll learn why NLP and computer vision uh, are Steve's go-to choices. Uh, we'll talk about the AI bubble and what the implications of these hyper-inflated expectations of artificial intelligence are, specifically for artificial intelligence startups. Uh, you also will find out what you can do to help uh, remove this bubble or combat this bubble. Um, we'll talk about strategic data acquisition, why it's such an important step for any company in the AI space. Uh, and we'll talk about AI explainability and where the world is going uh, with this topic. And finally, in the third part of this podcast, we'll talk about something that's very dear to Steve's heart, and that is building a personal brand in the space of AI. So you'll get some valuable tips from Steve, who himself has over 200,000 followers on LinkedIn. So he definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to building a personal brand. You'll find out why it's absolutely important for everybody in this space to be doing that and how this can make our community, our AI and data science community even better. So we've got a very exciting podcast with lots of topics coming up. Can't wait for you to check it out. And without further ado, I bring to you Steve Norrie, Head of Data Science and Artificial Intelligence at the Australian Computer Society. 
Welcome everybody to the Super Data Science Podcast. Super pumped to have you back here on the show. And today we've got a very special guest calling in from Sydney, Australia, Steve Norris. Steve, how are you going? Hi, Kirill. Thank you for having me. Super excited, super excited. Already so pumped after our chat before the podcast. Super pumped. There's going to be a lot of exciting topics to talk about. You, you excited as well? Very excited. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, to get things going, tell us a bit about yourself, please. Um, you are at the ACS, right? So the head of data science and AI at uh, the Australian Computer Society. Um, can you t- please tell us what is the Australian Computer Society and what is your role there? Yes, as you just said, um, I'm head of data science and AI at Australian Computer Society. First of all, ACS um, is peak industry body um, for IT and ICT professionals in Australia. Um, (laughs) It um, um, looks over many different activities, um, um, accrediting courses in Australia, all the tertiary courses, um, computer courses in Australia are accredited by ACS. And um, also, um, we help IT professionals to be more successful in their career life, um, running many events, workshops, and um, 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 making more opportunities for them to connect with um, leaders and um, um, also running some courses, giving away certifications for their accomplishments. So these are all the different things that um, ACS does and many other stuff like for immigration, assessments for immigrations. And um, um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a uh, large organization helping uh, Australian IT society. And mm-hmm. uh, my role um, is actually an interesting one. So I wear two hats at ACS. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's um, head of data science and AI and uh, it looks after the data science um, um, function, helping other functions to do um, data governance and data analytics. And that's the normal data science job. Mm-hmm. The most interesting part, which I really um, um, love as much, or maybe even more, is um, I'm also responsible for um, AI community development in Australia. It's a kind mm-hmm. of an evangelist role. So I get to go around Australia, talk to people, talk to um, enthusiasts and um, professionals, um, helping them to understand more about data science and AI and how um, they can um, upskill, reskill, or um, learn it quicker and um, and sometimes deliver uh, keynote speeches, panels um, at ACS. Um, and uh, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much very interesting to be connected and directly um, um, talking with uh, professionals and leaders in that area. That's so cool. How, how did you get into this line of work in the first place? It's such an interesting role to be in. Yes, so it kind of naturally happened because um, I was always um, an advocate and I was always a kind of an ambassador for AI for good, data science for good, running um, different events on uh, my, um, you know, personal time, running meetups, and also I'm super proactive on social media, um, specifically LinkedIn, and uh, it kind of like um, um, was a complementary of my, um, you know, technical 
um, understanding and what I used to do as a data scientist and as um, um, as a um, you know educator. Um, so it merged together and blended nicely. And when I joined, they they gave me all these tasks um, together as a um, as a um, whole function, and I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. And I love how proactive you are on social media because that's that's actually how we met. You shared this uh, cool video of um, holographic avatars where people like dancing and then they're replaced or actually augmented with holographic avatars. I think that's really that was really cool. I was very impressed and. Uh, um you know by like the video and i'm glad that you share around these things and no wonder you i think you have was it two hundred thousand followers on linkedin that's that's a huge number yes um uh 220 something right now uh yeah that was that that uh particular clip was actually very interesting um uh i share these um um in Hiring interesting innovations all the time. Like daily, I will share two or three of them. And um, they're mostly around AI, artificial intelligence, data science, and augmented reality, and things that are um, kind of high-tech and very interesting right now to um, help you know, people to know more about the uh, um, applications and also to get more um, enthusiastic and inspired and excited about it. I have received many messages that they tell me that we changed the course. Literally, there, uh, there was a guy saying that I was doing mechanical engineering, which is a great um, mm -hmm. um, topic, and uh, we definitely need a lot of people. But um, he just changed it to artificial intelligence just because of um, those uh, um, those interesting uh, posts that I was doing. And he just oh, said, wow. like, I was inspired by that. So now I changed it to AI. And I said, like, that's great. Um, hopefully, you're going to like it. That's so uh, and cool. that particular post went super crazy viral. And yeah. right now it has around 3 million views, which is wow. um, uh, crazy. Uh, That's I wasn't amazing. expecting that. That's amazing. Amazing. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this amazing episode. And uh, we've got a quick announcement and we'll get straight back to it. And the announcement is that Data Science Go Virtual number two is in town. It's happening on October 24th, 25th this year and you can get your tickets today at datasciencego.com virtual. And the best part, it's absolutely free. We've got some amazing speakers, amazing workshops for you to attend. And of course, the super cool part is that we've got networking. There'll be several 30-minute speed networking sessions where for three minutes you connect with a random data scientist from another part of the world or maybe from your part of the world you get to chat for three minutes. If you like each other, if you want to connect, you hit the connect button, you stay in touch. This was by far one of the top features of Data Science Go virtual number one. So many people got such great connections, stayed in touch, and some crazy stories came out of that. So we're gonna repeat it, and we want you to connect with your fellow data scientists. Once again, it's absolutely free. Register for your ticket today at datasciencego.com virtual. And I'll see you there. And now let's get back to this episode. Um, and we'll talk more about uh, personal branding and becoming an influencer and why it's important to build a brand, I think, towards the end of the podcast. But for now, I wanted to uh, start on uh, saying, is like as we discussed before the podcast, like it's a coincidence. Uh, it was just like, I just realized this, that 
um, super data science and uh, data science go. Our businesses are registered in Australia, our Australian businesses. And I'm speaking with the head of AI and data science at the Australian Computer Society. I wanted to commend you guys uh, for doing a fantastic job for um, River City Labs, what we spoke about before. It's like a, um, a, a place, like it's like a co-working space, but more than that. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Because I find it very inspiring. And I know not just in Australia, there's co-working spaces like that. They're all around the world. And I think um, people who are running AI startups or who want to get into the space, who want to progress in the space of AI, uh, will benefit a lot if they go to a place like River City Lab. So if you don't mind uh, you know, just exactly. telling us what, what is that all about. Yes, you're right. So um, um, the labs, River City Labs is um, part of ACS and part of the labs in general. We have three labs right now um, in Australia, um, in Sydney, Melbourne, and the Brisbane is called River City Labs. And um, the labs are not only co-working space, they also help um, startups and scale-ups to um, understand how to get to customers, how to grow, and um, um, kind of uh, we, we help them to scale up and become more successful and then graduate from um, our labs and just become a corporate. And um, and we had a um, couple of really good examples, really good examples that were graduated recently. Fathom, uh, Fathom AI was one of them. Uh, um, I've heard of Fathom. Fathom is a reporting tool. Yes, yes. No way, they, they came out of River City Labs. Yeah, not not one of the labs. Uh, the, the one oh, in one Sydney. of the labs. That's yes. so cool. We use Fathom for reporting. It's like a, a very affordable reporting tool. Like if you hook it up with Zero, which is a New Zealand company for accounting, and you get all these amazing reports. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yes, they, they do a lot of good reporting and stuff. And also they um their other AI and um you know high tech startups that's working in the same path. So that's awesome. Um yeah, it's it's a place that we, we want to help the ecosystem make the ecosystem so we're not only helping um you know graduates and beginners we also are helping uh industry startups and um academics and kind of connecting all together to make mm -hmm. sure we um as an industry body we are helping um, make the whole ecosystem work nicely together and help um you know each other grow that's so cool i attended one of the talks at the uh... River City Labs. This wasn't even a talk. This because I had heard of this thing uh, for like for a few, maybe even years, and I was like putting it off. But then I attended at the start of this year before coronavirus. I think it was in February. Um, it's like um, once a month. I think it's the last Friday of every month. Uh, there's like a, a pitch night, a pitch night where uh, like five or six entrepreneurs in the space of technology get five minutes each to pitch their idea to an audience, and there's some a panel of judges. And then they get told, given some feedback, and they told, you know, like how they went. So it's like an opportunity to practice pitches. And maybe you'll find an investor, you know, if the one happens to be there. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Like there was some interesting, diverse ideas. I remember one guy was pitching an idea about using AI to help uh, with uh, robotic limbs for people who lost an arm or an leg. Like not just making them, like making them more advanced so that they can make more advanced movements and powering that with AI. So yeah, ideas like that or like nights like that, fantastic, I think. Of course. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So um, that 
there are lots of initiatives. They run a lot of initiatives. Mostly, um, they help connecting these startups and scale-ups to um, customers and also to um, investors. So that's kind mm. of very important for them at this stage, at the, the, the earliest stage to, um, you know, uh, become successful. Absolutely. And uh, let's talk a bit about hackathons. So you are an avid uh, like a fan of hackathons, as you told me. Um, and uh, and moreover, you run hackathons. So you ran the biggest hackathon in Australia and, and you put it together in record time. Tell us that story. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a passion of mine. Um, I was always involved with um, hackathons. Um, six years ago, I participated in the first hackathon. And from then, I just loved it. And um, I remember like very proactively searching for hackathons on the internet and trying to find something for the next weekend. I was uh, so addicted to hackathons that I couldn't just be uh, without any hackathon. <laughs> so I, I was just like, if there is any geek people uh, doing some technical stuff together, I'm going to be there. Uh-huh. And I participated in more than um, 12 hackathons um, oh, wow. before I got too old for hackathons. So, um, then when <laughs> too I. Too old ca- for a hackathon. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no such a thing as being too old for hackathons. Let me tell you. Um, it was a joke because a lot of people ask me, is hackathon for graduates or beginners? No, there's no such a thing. Hackathons are for people who are enthusiastic about tech. They want to do something interesting in short amount of time. And. Um, and they want to have an impact, and also they want to learn from each other. Many good, interesting ideas come from hackathons, and I have stories about that. But um, uh, first of all, when I did a lot of hackathons, then I was a little bit more um, um, kind of um, senior. I wanted to um, kind of step up into running hackathons and mentoring hackers. So um, I. Um, I started um, mentoring hackers in hackathons, but then when I joined ACS, it was an, there was a nice synergy between um, um, ACS as a community, as an IT um, community, and um, running hackathons for IT communities. So uh, we did our first um, hackathon, flatten the curve hack uh, during COVID. Uh, we managed the whole thing, my team, um, um, and also with the help from other teams across ACS, the marketing team and and membership team, they all came together very nicely during nine days. We literally had nine days to pull it off. And um, at the end of the day, we managed to get around 2,700 people um, across Australia and New Zealand to um, um, work together, come up with solutions for problems that we have um, in the pandemic, um, education, um, businesses, um, everybody was kind of impacted by COVID. We were still um, kind of in the same situation. But back then, um, we wanted to have early solutions for the problems. It's like mm-hmm. how we can help uh, medical centers, how we can help uh, these businesses that has been affected and now closed down, how we can um, help the um um, education centers and medical center and all of them. So um, we um, we managed that hackathon um, within nine days. Um, they had only forty eight hours to um, uh, deliver the solution. And uh, on the back of the hackathon, 
Uh, we had very interesting ideas, especially we had three startups out of that particular hackathon. Wow. And that's very interesting to see, like some of these people even didn't know each other. Hmm. They came together during the event. Uh, they were enthusiastic about the same vision and same mission, and they started working together. And finally, they came up with um, a nice um, solution that they were happy that this will have um, some impact. So uh, they started um, a startup after the hackathon, which I'm, I'm, I'm proud that I've been involved with that. And then from there, uh, we managed another hackathon, the first um, Australian and New Zealand Defense Force hackathon. Um, um, and that was also a very interesting one. Um, it, it was, um, 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 we, we had around 1,000 people involved and uh, people got enthusiastic about it as well. Um, the last hackathon I was involved with, that was a global AI hackathon. We had uh, many AI influencers as a judge and mentor there. And mm -hmm. um, um, I think we peaked uh, with 4,200 participants. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that was super interesting. So um, we hopefully, each time we try to break our <laughs> record. So that's uh, awesome. let's see how, um, how would be the next one. Uh, the next AI hackathon would be around um, January next year. So, um, uh -huh. and we're already uh, planning for 10,000 people. Wow. That's really cool. Um, uh... I'm assuming these are running virtual. What? Um, how do? How do they? How does a virtual hackathon run? Like, how do people get together, get to know each other? Um, like, what? What does it look like? Uh, that's the. Uh, I think that's the most difficult part because, as you said, just um, it's virtual. They don't. They um, if they've never met each other, uh, they need to literally. Um, meet, talk, and uh, form a group within this 48, 72 hours. And um, I guess that's the most complex part. So we try to run a lot of different things. Um, um, first of all, we give them some time to uh, mingle and talk and see <laughs> if they can find uh, uh, people with the same mindset. Also, we make a lot of channels on Slack mm -hmm. that has specific reason. For example, if you're a team looking for a data scientist, this is the channel for it. If you're a team mm -hmm. looking for a programmer, this is another channel. Mm -hmm. If you're a data scientist looking for a team, that's another channel. So you can find channels specific to re for reasons, and uh, then it will kind of help people. Because 4,000 people, like if you just put them in a place and say, all right, guys, um, you figure out how to do the job, but that's not going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. you, you need to nurture them. and um, uh, thanks to our mentors, we had more than 200 mentors mm -hmm. Wow! and the Slack channel because they, the, the 4,000 people needs a lot of mentors as well. <laughs> yeah. like, they have a lot of questions. And if they just each one of them ask two questions, that will take ages uh, for me or my team to answer. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, what we did, we, we also made um, um, a really nice hierarchical um, team of mentors um, um, that like, we had mentors on the ground, and then we had lead mentors helping mentors, and then we had chief mentor helping <laughs> the lead mentor. That was uh, super interesting. And um, 
And they kind of came up with ways that they could engage with these um, participants and try to make the connection happen. Mm-hmm. Um, still, that's, that's still a challenge. Um, a lot of people would not find the team. So um, at the end of the day, we had to uh, make random teams if like, you, you literally mm-hmm. have no team and you're, um, you're running out of time. Interesting. Where did you find the mentors? Uh, the same way we found the uh, participants. So we put ah. uh, ads out there. And it's like, um, um, if you're um, enthusiastic about hackathons, but you don't want to participate and you have limited time because um, mentors wouldn't need to be available for the whole time. They could yeah. just uh, um, kind of touch base with their um, teams once or twice during the hackathon for a couple of hours. That would be fine. But if you want to participate, then you need to be available. For yeah, 48 yeah. hours uh, yeah. because the team needs you, right? So I guess we just uh, made it clear that if you're happy to be part of it, but you don't have the time, then this is for you. And um, we got more than 200 people and then we selected um, the ones that are more senior because we wanted mentors. So they need to have some um, knowledge and experience to mm-hmm. um, do the job. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. And um I'm, I'm guessing the uh, it's not yet announced the hackathon for January, but maybe people, if uh, they uh, follow you, they can they'll hear about it when the time is right. Of course, yeah, it is not as you said, it's not announced. It's not uh, um, the the dates are not um, uh, set yet, but it mm. will be around January. And just follow me on LinkedIn. Um, there will be some posts um, um, coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Awesome, thank you. That's that's really cool. Um, all right. Well, I wanted to, um, move on to some topics that, uh, you mentioned in your workshops, as you said, you do like lots of workshops and try to help, uh, uh, companies, startups, entrepreneurs, and and just people in the space of AI through ACS. And so I watched a few of your workshops on YouTube and I have some, uh, interesting questions. I'd love to dive in. You ready for this? Great. Yes. All right. So, um, in one of your workshops, you said, if you're learning AI or data science these days, make it easy. Either go down the path of NLP or natural language processing or computer vision. These are the main growth areas. I think you said this uh, in October last year at Macquarie University. Um, can you elaborate a bit on that? Is it still the case uh, that NLP and computer vision are the main two areas and, and why these two areas? Yes, yeah, so first of all, um, you know, um, if you want to just um, talk about um, what areas computer science and um, um, AI in particular would be used, it, it, the, the use cases are um, un, unlimited, uh, different, and you cannot um, just categorize it in one or two. But I just wanted to um, help because there were it was in Macquarie University, and I wanted to help students to figure out um, what is the next path? What is if if they want to have a uh, mindset about um, following some specific, um, let's say, technology? What is it? And um, people don't. I I I found that people kind of don't like theory much. They want the application. And two major applications of AI at this point are either computer vision or NLP. And mm-hmm. because 
The main reason is because um, they were super complex uh, before for any normal algorithm to handle those tasks. These cognitive tasks are super complex. So normal um, algorithms like handwritten algorithms, if and else's, you know, heuristics couldn't handle this. And, um, and then deep learning and machine learning in particular, they were um, kind of um, more, uh, more touching on these cognitive tasks. So um, if you want to find some interesting use cases, I wanted to make it easy for you. These are two main use cases. And um, yeah, I, I can say that still it, it is relevant. Um, and um, as I said, the reason is obvious because we have a lot more data related to um, you know, these cognitive tasks. Like we have more videos right now. Right now we are making another one mm -hmm. here. Uh, there will be uh, videos generated, sound will be generated. There will be a lot of conversation that might be uh, uh, transcribed. And these are really good um, material for the AI to, you know, digest and do something interesting. Um, so, yeah, there are many other, um, you know, use cases. But still, I would say um, if you're passionate and you're, um, you don't know uh, how to start, just grab one of these, start with it. Later, you will understand if there is anything else that you're passionate about and you can change it, the direction. Don't stay still and it's like, what should I do? Because that's another problem, right? I get a lot of messages that people just like, um, I'm doing research a couple of months to see what should I do. And I'm mm. like, it just if you have uh, started with Python, you would be already a, a, a great Python programmer and you could later figure out if you wanted to learn R, then go and learn R. That's fine. That's, that's, that's another mistake that we sometimes um, um, lose the opportunities, but just staying still and trying to find the best. There is no such a thing as the best and um, dive with something, um, dive in, you will find the way. Hmm. Okay, I, I understand now. Uh, because when I was listening uh, to this talk, I was, I was thinking to myself, well, well how about other uh, areas of technology like reinforcement learning or sequence modeling and uh, you know other other interesting areas of AI. But I understand why you're doing this is like it's better to reduce your choice so you don't have this choice paralysis. Start with something, and then you know like you'll be ahead of your um, uh, the, yourself in the other dimension where you're still paralyzed with choice. You'll be already ahead, and then you can choose something else if if something else uh, comes your way. So I totally get it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. And that's, I think that's very powerful advice for those listening. Um, for still deciding where to start. So next one, just looking at my notes here. Um, in that same talk, you said that more than 40% of European startups are claiming to be AI startups, but they're not. This, this came from some report about um, European startups. Uh, and you mentioned that this will create an AI bubble. Um, what are the implications of such an AI bubble uh, being created with these uh, hyperinflated expectations? Yes. Uh, yeah, I remember um, venture capital um, um, in Europe. Uh, they have done a survey of startups and they found that 40% of them are actually not using AI, but claiming that they're AI company. 
And the problem with that would be um, a lot of investors will become um, like uh, more uh, cautious about their investments. And they, when they hear AI, they, they will think maybe that's another one. Mm-hmm. And that will affect the real um, startups in general, because now it's going to be a more complex space to be. And if you want to prove yourself, you need to uh, kind of d- do more. You need to push more to prove yourself. So it it will generate some kind of negative negativity mm. in the space. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second one would be um, that they, the other problem is that um, like people, like in general, the audience will be a um, little bit skeptical about uh, these um, companies because uh, when, you, when you hear these days, you have probably um, have noticed these memes coming that uh, there is a, a, a project called AI and then you open it up, there's lots of if and else's down there. And that's, that's a joke right now, but this is the thing that uh, the general public are kind of seeing as 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 a reality that um, uh, they they don't trust, so they're losing the trust, and the trust losing the trust will make people be uh, more skeptical, and when um, that happens, that will have a negative effect on the real one, which are going to have a real impact, a good impact. So that's the major implication, and also. I can then hear a lot of people saying maybe even AI is a uh, bubble itself. Maybe mm. uh, there's no such a thing that is going to help. Maybe uh, I even heard that um, um, somebody was saying that AI uh, in general is uh, uh, kind of paraphrasing programming to sell it uh, more expensive. So you're um, you're putting another cover around it just to make it look more nice and gourmet but it's the same thing mm. and th- these are all the you know um um all the negative kind of side effects of such um um such a problem mm. okay and and what can um either an entrepreneur who's building an a-, a true ai startup or somebody who's actually passionate about ai and wants to build a career in this space what can they do to combat these um, implications of this AI bubble? So one of the things that I'm doing, as you can see on LinkedIn, I'm sharing uh, these projects, AI projects. Every day you can see a lot of them. And that's the one, one of the ways is just like uh, by uh, showcasing the real impact of AI, the real mm. AI. Most of them are, um, the stuff that I'm sharing are open source. So mm. Then you can actually see that the, yeah, this is this is actually AI because it has some components behind and it's open source. And if you're really a technical person, then you can um, um, check it out and and make sure that um, um, it, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I guess the communication and um, uh, and more um, you know training, changing the culture that people ask the question about it and have better understanding is the only only way out. We need to um, educate everyone to know about AI. Mm-hmm. I think this is the future. And what we need to do as a community 
and us as an ACS or me as a person who is involved, I need to educate everyone about AI. They need to understand what is called AI and how to identify the products, how to identify the impact, and what are the uh, um, implications and what are the complications of AI. So this is something that I, um, I'm doing uh, proactively on social media. And I, um, I assume that everyone who is uh, passionate about AI should do the same um, to educate everyone about it. Mm. That's, a, that's an interesting um, philosophy. It, it almost feels like collectively, if we are truly excited and want this field to succeed, then the way to combat this AI uh, bubble is to act as a filter, you know, like to take, uh, look out for news about AI and uh, assess it through our knowledge and understand, okay, this is really AI. This is, you know, not really AI. This is somebody calling themselves AI to yes. increase the value of this startup. And then actually just sharing the true AI. And like, it's like a collective uh, knowledge filter of the, you know, the older news that exists out there. Yeah, totally. Because um, like this is so um, clear that the AI has value and mm -hmm. it will uh, generate a lot of positive value for any businesses and for mm -hmm. society as a, as a whole. And um, to have any negative negativity around it will be um, like um, so devastating for me as a person. Mm. So um that that's the reason that I would like to make sure that educating part is the main thing and everybody will know about it. Then um, if there is a bubble and if there is a startup that's claiming it and then uh, it collapses or a project that doesn't work, a, it will not be seen as the AI in general mm -hmm. and it will be looked as one example or use case. Okay, gotcha. Um Speaking of uh, AI startups, um, uh, you mentioned uh, that, and I think this is uh, you, uh, in parallel to what Andrew New was talking about, that strategic data acquisition is the core building block for creating an AI company. Um, what is strategic data acquisition and can you please elaborate on why it's so important? Uh, so. I want to just make it a little bit um, um, easier um, in layman terms. Um, AI is pretty much um, equal to machine learning to me. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to talk in um, kind of academic terms. It's like what are the differences and what are the similarities. Let's let's agree. I'm I'm, I'm not uh, uh, working at university anymore. I used to be a lecturer. <laughs> uh, now I'm working in industry. So I want to say that. AI is pretty much um, uh, machine learning. And uh, if we agree on that, then machine learning needs data. Mm -hmm. So you cannot have any machine learning without data. That's period. Like we, mm -hmm. we don't, we, we cannot run any algorithm on um, nothing. So um, then you need to capture the data in order to run your machine learning algorithm. So data acquisition is um, a, kind of a base for any AI project. Mm -hmm. And if you have your huge AI team of um, uh, PhD uh, graduates um, waiting in a room and you have no data, you don't have an AI, you will not have an AI until you start with the data. 
Um, so if you get back to data acquisition, a lot of the companies are actually struggling to get the meaningful data that can um, generate some insight. So let's say if they're working with customer and um, like it's not easy um, to ask for customer to give you all the information and personal information and consent, consent to um, use their data for some uh, business-related, uh, you know, um, projects. It is something very complex. A lot of people are skeptical. Um, I have heard that a lot of people are saying that, like, why Google is looking at our search? Uh, we are not happy about it. They're investigating in our personal life. And that's, that's the reality. This is the conversation, right? I have talked about it and I have heard about it a lot. So these companies need to be um, very strategic about how they want to collect those data that they can um, also keep their customer happy. So one way that I was talking in um, data acquisition would be um, give them back something interesting, some insights that they will be happy to share the data with you. So if you're collecting information about someone's weight, give them back something, for example, every month, generate a report and say, um, this was the change in your weight. These are the other cohorts of this similar um, age or similar, um, similar, similar, I don't know, uh, lifestyle with you that they changed it in a better or um, 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 and higher or lower weight and you're um, um, getting closer to um, healthy range or whatever it is. So generate some insights and don't be like a vacuum cleaner, just um, sucking <laughs> in all these data and nothing back. It's yeah. like people will not appreciate it, right? And yeah. um, th that's that's one way. I was just to to make it very um, uh, easy. That's one way to to make them happy and engaged. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, makes sense. And uh, and also comes down to uh, thinking about AI not just as a like um, we're gonna go and create an AI company, boom, you know, like everything's gonna happen. Uh, actually putting it part of your as part of your uh, strategy or business plan how are you going to acquire that data like what there's there's certain as you said there's certain uh, considerations that need to be taken account like privacy um you know in, if you're in europe then there's the GD, gdpr um which, which are all incentives or which are all um uh things that are created uh these policies are created to help protect people's data, right? So you need to think in advance, how, how are you going to approach that? And I think your advice is very solid in terms of um, create a ecosystem where you are collecting data to help people, uh, not just to, you know, like use it as, for insights all the time to power your artificial intelligence, but create that loop where you're always Giving back because if you wait too long, you're collecting data collect before you then create value for people. Um, you might not have a company at all <laughs> in the end. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's a great summary. Mm. Awesome. Okay, thank you. That's uh, so strategic data acquisition should be a an important part of um, AI startup uh, thinking. Um, and let's talk about explainable AI. 
Now, in one of your talks, you said, uh, I understood what I understood was that sometimes AI is not, it should be explainable for sure. Like uh, uh, whether it's legislation, whether it's um, um, court proceedings or, um, you know, like making uh, legal decisions, especially. And uh, it would be perfect if AI was explainable in all cases, but sometimes it's just not going to be explainable. It's really hard to get it to explain, but it's maybe even impossible. And so the question is, are we um, just ready to accept um, and move on, you know, accept that sometimes it won't be explainable? And you said an interesting thing. You said that uh, we, I don't think we're ready, and especially in Australia. Uh, could you please elaborate on that? Um, yes. So... You know, because this explainability um, um, was was a hot topic. I mean, still is a hot topic, and a lot of people are talking about it. And we need to make AI explainable, and um, otherwise we shouldn't use it. And I understand that to some extent. But to be clear about it, um, I, I don't I don't want to make it so complex. But let's say um, AI cannot be explainable 100%. There's no such a thing mm -hmm. because of the complexity. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about a neural network, um, learning things about an um, image, it's, if it was so easy, we could use normal algorithms to understand it. We could use some um, heuristics to understand those little bits and pieces about the image. So the explainability is not going to be 100%, but we can get away with some understanding. We can generate some understandings that um, is understandable by humans. So that's that's there. So let's agree that 100% is not going to happen. Um, but the, the other problem is a lot of people, uh, they believe that if they cannot understand everything, little bits and pieces in the model and how it works, they shouldn't use it. And that's the other problem. Um, there are lots of um, examples out there, but I'm going to use airplane example. Um, we are all using airplanes to do travels very, very frequently around the world, but actually we don't know much about how uh, it is being built. We cannot build it ourselves. Um, definitely, there are lots of complex little bits and pieces that we will never understand. Uh, yet still, we get in the plane um, happily drinking the coffee and waiting uh, to get to arrive. You know, that's that's the thing. So um, why it's happening, it's because um, we um, we trust airplanes to be safe just because um, it has been tested a lot. It has been tested a lot frequently by um, people that are um, trusted as um, technical people, right? So that's the same thing for AI. We need to trust the people that, that are technical that they test it, and then we need to use it as a tool. And I have seen a lot of people, I have seen, unfortunately, a lot of people that they, um, they don't trust it. They don't trust it based on the example and based on the test. They just say, I need to understand the exact little bits and pieces until I use it. And that happens in many industries. For example, I was, I used to work in a fintech company and financial um, um, advisors specifically, they were asking how this AI is predicting blah and like how its AI is predicting how much you should invest. And 
I need to see a formula that has A, B, C, D in it and then see how it came up with the formula and I need every details. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. You cannot have such a thing in that detail. Um, you can um, see the result and see if that works. If that doesn't work, then the data is wrong and you can just go into the um, some some other phases to make it right. But um, if you just want to shut it down just because you don't have all these um, uh, details, then you're missing out. So that was mm -hmm. the major thing that I mentioned because I was working in that industry and I was dealing with many people um, across different industries that they were not happy if they're, um, th they cannot understand the details in the model or how these um, predictions or the um, results has been generated. Um, I think we will get better as, as, um, as we, uh, use AI and, um, on daily basis. And we understand it was AI that we were using all the time. So that's, that's good. That's the education part that I talked about. As we can see that, um, people are using Netflix and Netflix recommends, uh, movies that are, uh, particularly interesting to you. And, um, that's um, that's AI, and if people understand that's AI and they're um, using it daily, then they feel a little bit more comfortable that, oh, okay, um, it seems it's working. And Alexa is talking to me and giving me some good advices. And um, I don't know my, um, let's say they, they're using some uh, fancy te Tesla models and they're using these um, autonomous um, uh, functions and features and like um they're enjoying that and they're trusting it so they they're getting there but uh i think it was last year that i talked about it um i i wasn't so sure that people are yet there ready to um accept it in um in the workplace as um uh, as a replacement hmm. mm -hmm. i see i see um so if my understanding is uh, correct then um it's kind of like taking your airplane analogy if we look back now everybody's flying on airplanes and enjoying it well uh, you know barring coronavirus of course but um uh when airplanes were first you know created by the wright brothers uh, like a long time ago um uh, people were probably very skeptical of getting on the first plane and you know i i remember the the elevators, when people create, when the first elevators were created, people were like, whoa, this is not going to, you know, this is too dangerous. I don't want to get in this thing. And people were skeptical. Um, but then as time passes, uh, people become more and more uh, comfortable with it. Is that, is that about right as a summary? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's why um, um, I'm, I'm always um, um, emphasizing on um, education, and that's why I'm sharing all these examples daily because I think that's the only way to get out of this. That's that's the yeah. only way. If people understand how AI is impacting their life and how it is used, then um, they they will. Um, that's that's the moment that they will start trusting it. Gotcha, gotcha, and. Um... This is actually a good segue to our final part that I want to talk about on this podcast, which is um, personal brand, like creating a personal brand. And I know this is something you're passionate about and 
you've done extremely uh, successfully in terms of uh, creating that brand and, and maintaining it that you do help a lot of people with, with your posts and and uh, I think you're um, a Forbes contributor as well. So you write, like your recent article was about where you can you find uh, great NLP courses for 2021, which is another form of like sharing, co- aggregating knowledge and sharing with others. Why would you say it's important for everybody to look into building a personal brand in this space? Um, so first of all, um, Everybody in the digital world um, needs to have an identity and needs to um, connect and um, and interact with people. We are social people, and in a normal world, you you talk face to face, and people will know you uh, based on the interaction they have with you daily. But in the digital world, it is not possible for you to talk face to face with everyone. I um, uh, I cannot literally have uh, a long conversation with a um, couple of hundred thousand people. Um, so what I can do, I can, uh, in order to um, understand the others and in order to um, them to know about me, I can make a personal brand. So by personal brand, I mean the perception of um, of you and um, and how you would like people to um to understand you as a person and um th- this is what i'm really passionate about because i would like people to know me as a person who inspires and em- empowers people um in ai and data science that's the main thing i would like to um kind of uh communicate and uh i'm actively working on both sides so I share a lot of interesting projects, innovations, or inspiration. But then I share things like the Forbes article that will tell people how to learn, where to learn, how to upskill, and that's for empowering. So that's kind of the um, um, the way I'm, I'm focusing on my personal brand, and I'm um, the way that I am showing um, um, how I'm contributing to the society. And it is especially important for beginners because they want to find a job. And um, if you're looking for a job um, these days, um, hiring managers will um, highly likely will search about you. Mm-hmm. And they will find um, your digital footprint to understand about you. And mm-hmm. that's where your personal brand will um kind of show because when you have a lot of github um um you know contribution when you have a lot of kaggle um um competition that you participated doesn't necessarily need to be um winning a um kaggle competition you you can just participate in a lot of them and that's also showcasing your um technical um, knowledge and also it will be as kind of a soft skill showcasing your soft skills that you are a person that will push that will, would like to learn would like to um, engage and um, and that th- these are all the things that will come up out of your um, um, digital footprints and by putting them together um, you're making a brand for yourself that 
um, how you would like those HR managers to see you as a data science enthusiast, for example. Um, if you have written a couple of blogs, then that's a plus. You know, that's, these are all little bits and pieces, right? So um, that's what I'm doing right now on social media. I'm encouraging people to engage more, to be more um, um, active, helping each other, and also to uh, make contributions to open source because these are the way that you can um, showcase um, your knowledge, your understandings, and um, definitely that will um, hugely help you to find a job. Mm. I completely agree with that. Uh, and it's just an example. We were hiring a data analyst at uh, Super Data Science a few months ago. And so for all of the candidates, I would first thing, I would not even look at their CV. I would go to their LinkedIn, see what are they up to? Like, what are they doing? And uh, the candidate we ended up hiring, one of the biggest things that stood out to me, I clearly remember to this day, is that uh, she um, ran workshops. She was very passionate about like teaching the stuff she knows, like data visualization. She she wanted to give back, and she she was not only doing the work, but she was teaching others. And to me, it's a huge indication that you know what you're talking about if you're able to teach it. Because if you if you don't really know, if you're like kind of shaky on your grounds, then you're probably not going to be confident enough to go out there and teach it. It's, it's going to be like a taboo for you. You, for, you first need to learn really well. So for me, that was like, boom, a huge plus, as you say, right away. 100%. Yeah, that's something that um, uh, people are understanding more and more these days that they need to be um, more active on social media. They need to be more active on contributing to other projects and helping others as well. And uh, that's, that's actually great that, that, that makes the community to work together and um, learn from each other. And I'm actually doing, um, very soon I'm going to make some courses about it, run around some workshops about personal branding and how to be more active on social media, how to make your um, um, social media profile pop and also um, engage more with your audience, have the focus. And these are the stuff that I think um, um, it will be um, interesting for everyone, not only job seekers, it can be interesting even to professionals, especially to uh, uh, people um, who would like to accelerate in their career. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say? So first of all, um, uh, do you have a, what's the best way for people to like, uh, get involved in these workshops or courses when they come out? Um, so uh, around November, I'm going to announce the um, um, workshops and courses. So just uh, stay tuned and um, search my name on LinkedIn. Um, uh, the, there are not many Steve Norris on LinkedIn. That's, uh, that's easy to find. And uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I will share it very soon. And and uh, apart from that, if you follow, you will get a lot of other um, interesting um, stuff, hopefully. So um, stay tuned for, for courses and workshops. Workshops, are, some of them are going to be free as well. And hopefully uh, people can get something out of it um, and learn something that will help them to accelerate. Awesome. Are you going to run any, any of those virtually? 
yes, uh, um, all of them going to be virtual because of just having um, my followers are across the world and my connections are kind of scattered around the world. It's very difficult to um, uh, kind of run uh, run it in person. I would like to scale it up and and um, help as many as as I can. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, that's um, that's a really uh, inspiring thing for people to be part of. And uh, I don't think I've seen many workshops on how to build a personal brand. I think a lot of people are actually understand the value in it and want to do it, but don't know where either to get started or maybe feel um, feel kind of like they they're not uh, expert enough. Like, who am I to build? Who am I to share things or contribute you know like i need to learn data science very well first and then contribute what would you say to people who have that mindset right now yeah that was actually something that i was uh struggling with when i started um i was always thinking the same i need to be um uh, uh kind of an expert in some areas before start talking about it and now and then i learned it I can just um, share what I know. It doesn't need to be perfect. There's no such a thing as a perfect. If I want to wait to be perfect, I would die without being perfect because there is no <laughs> such a thing, right? So um, just um, don't think about that. Just think about how you can add value. <laughs> if it is just, uh, this is the last book I uh, read and I liked it. That's, that can be a, a kind of uh, way to help the community that you can write two sentences about that book that you liked about it, and that might help someone to find the, the book that they were looking for for so long. And it just builds up from there. I started sharing my um, passion about data science because when I was um, a lecturer at university, um, I was getting a lot of questions, repetitive questions from students about um, data science, for example, um, what is the next step for me? What, what is the best way to learn Python? Um, is there any free um, book about um, machine learning? And blah and blah. So it was all coming up again and again. I was thinking to myself that maybe that's a question that uh, more than five or six students have in the whole world. Maybe that's, um, that's something that I can help others as well. So I started posting about it. I was like, okay, guys, this is... Um, a free, I don't know, book that I found about machine learning. It's five from for five years ago, but it's still relevant. Um, let's see how it goes. And then, boom, people liked it, and they ever started following for the same content, and and it started engaging with them and giving them um, more of the same material. So um, that that was the way that I kind of. Um, uh, got more involved and be proactive. And then I learned how to um, add more value by adding some um, interesting projects because um, only learning is, um, is not going to be enough for uh, my audience and my connections. Uh, they need to also understand how to use those learnings and apply it in something. So then I started sharing the applications and interesting projects which will make people excited to see uh, what will happen when you learn computer vision you can identify dogs and cats for example and that's something great for someone that has never done any programming just 10 lines of code and 
boom, it's there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, that is very inspiring, and um, I think it, it just takes one step, right? Like the first step, just share something, and you'll see that it's not not that scary. And if you even help one person, that's that's amazing already. Uh, Steve, we we are running out of time. I want to thank you for um your contribution to everybody listening to this show it's it's been a huge pleasure and thank you before you go uh where are the best places to find you you already mentioned linkedin and we'll definitely include that in the show notes um where is there anywhere else we can uh, our listeners can find connect with you uh maybe follow you and find out about the projects that uh are yes coming up? So um, Hackmakers is another um, um, interesting project of mine that um, I'm involved as, a, um, as an advisor and they're running some workshops and events very soon. That's another place to find me, but mm-hmm. I'm only um, like um, active on LinkedIn just because I, I cannot afford to spend any, any more time on social media. I'm already spending two to three hours a day. Um, oh wow! And um, because I've, I've received like more than fifty messages a day, and um, that I need to spend some time to um, get back to them, and also curating the content and finding interesting resources will also take time. So I'm only focusing hundred percent on LinkedIn to add value to my audience, and I um, keep it to my focus area, which is AI and data science, and uh, if you like it, I would like to get connected to you and um, talk to you about the same passion. Awesome. Awesome. That's very cool. Love love the focus. Um, and one final question for you. What's a book that you can recommend to our listeners? Um, I've recently received a book from a friend of mine, um, um, Andre Burkhoff. If you um, guys um, follow him on LinkedIn, um, he shares a lot of uh, interesting um, photos and also interesting uh, facts about data science and AI. Um, the book is called Machine Learning Engineering, and it was published recently. So that's that's interesting. I'm still reading it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, Machine Learning Engineering by Andrew Burkov. Uh, another great uh, person to follow. I, I follow him with some photos that he shares and cool and some memes. <laughs> he shares memes yes. sometimes as well. Exactly. Awesome. Um, well, uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a huge pleasure and uh, very excited about all the things that you're doing uh, for the world of uh, AI and data science through ACS and personally as well. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to know about it and inspiring. I'm sure it's been inspiring to everybody. Thank you very much, Kareem, for having me. So there you have it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and this conversation with Steve. Um, and I definitely did. I definitely got some valuable takeaways and I loved uh, the flow of our conversation and how we covered off quite a few different topics in the space. My personal favorite part was uh, Steve's experience and stories with hackathons, how he's participated in, in many of them and how he's run Uh, several already with uh, the Australian Computer Society and uh, it's just exciting and inspiring to see how many people are participating uh, in the thousands so they ran the largest one in Australia then the global one Uh, they uh, had 
also thousands of people participate in the January hackathon. They're aiming for 10,000. So make sure to stay in touch with Steve, uh, follow him and uh, see when that hackathon comes around. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to add something to a portfolio, to practice, to meet people. And why not? Why not participate in a cool hackathon for data scientists like that? Uh, so as usual, you can find the show notes uh, for this episode at superdatascience.com slash 409. That's superdatascience.com 400 and slash 409. Um, and there you can find the transcript for this episode and materials we mentioned on the show, plus the URLs for uh, Steve's uh, uh, projects and his LinkedIn, where uh, you can uh, keep in touch, stay in touch with him and see what uh, things he shares. And he shares some pretty cool things on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed this episode and you know somebody who's starting out into the space of data science and artificial intelligence, uh, then uh, share the love, spread this episode with others. It's very easy to share. Just send them a link, superdatascience.com slash 409. And uh, on that note, thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate you spending this hour with us and I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing. <laughs>